0: The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network.
1: It's a great stronghold today. We must confront it. I'm talking about the spirit of fear. Friends, we've got to confront this. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room. I'm talking about the prevailing attitude of fear, the spirit of fear, because of COVID. We need to talk about it. We need to talk it through so that we can be rational in our decision-making, wise in our decision-making, and not moved by fear or paralyzed by fear. Welcome, friends, to the broadcast. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. 866 3-4-TRUTH is the number to call, 866-348-7884. A bunch of related things I want to talk to you about. I want to give you a picture of what's happening in Australia. I want to draw attention to things that I wrote last year, a year and a half ago, when we quickly got out my book, When the World Stops, which produces words of hope, faith, and wisdom in the midst of crisis. So the book that I wrote in the midst of COVID, thinking, you know, maybe number of weeks, number of months this will pass, not knowing it would be here this long, but wanting to to have something that would be relevant in the long term and other crises. So I want to talk about faith versus fear, feeding your faith versus feeding your fear, and, and, and what is wise versus unwise when it comes to decision-making with regard to COVID. Millions of Americans, others around the world still facing decisions about being vaccinated or not, or how to conduct themselves or school policies and what to go along with and what to protest and decisions you have, may have to make as an administrator or leader or pastor. So we want to talk these through, 866-348-7884. On another front, you may have noticed if you were on social media yesterday that for hours Facebook was down because of that other apps of Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram were down. So this literally affects several billion people on the planet. And according to headlines that I saw, it cost Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg $7 billion being down for a few hours. I mean, I, I can't conceive of that. I I can't, I can't conceive of, well, I could, I could conceive of having millions of dollars. I could conceive that. I mean, we've, we've all had some money. So you conceive of maybe, okay, what would it feel like if you had hundreds of thousands in the bank or something? Again, I don't know, but I could, I could conceive that. What would it feel like to have several million dollars in the bank? Okay, I, I could conceive that. Well, what about a thousand million? That's a billion. Hard to relate to what that really means. What about having so much money that in a matter of hours you can lose seven billion? Who can relate to that? But I just want to say this there is an extraordinary amount of power right now in the hands of social media from Google, which also owns YouTube to Facebook, which owns these other apps to Twitter as well, but Twitter a little bit less than these others through search engines through other means. There is an incredible amount of power. News flow can be influenced. Elections can be influenced. Choices that you make based on information you get can be influenced. There's even great concern uh, about human trafficking, sex trafficking and and girls in particular, teenage girls being under assault because of social media. There's a tremendous amount of power. There is enough power to make or break organizations, individuals, ministries outside of God's help. It is inordinate. It, It is not good, it is not right. To the extent these things can be used constructively and neutrally, wonderful to the extent people who have agendas are involved with them or who have a particular ideological conviction that they will then foist on others, that's a problem. You say, well, they're private companies. They can do what they want. Well, yes and no. Let me explain. Let me explain. We work together, all of us who are on Facebook, YouTube, any of these other social media platforms, we worked together with them to make them what they are, right? You posted your videos on YouTube. You went to YouTube to watch videos. This generated advertising money for YouTube. You began to connect with a circle of friends on Facebook. You have a ministry and you began to post regularly to draw people to your ministry page with the rules being a certain way, right? So we built up to just under 600,000 on our Facebook page playing by those rules. And then those rules began to change things that you posted got restricted here. And, and I've, I've illustrated, I've, I've tested it. I've tested it. We'll post an important article and it can tie in with a political subject that is considered a hot subject and not to be promoted on the news. Now on Facebook or simply because it's political, it's not going to be promoted, which means if you have liked our page, it won't come up in your newsfeed unless you specifically ask for certain things. And I'm not saying this with precision of algorithms and all this just in general, that you used to see our posts, but now you won't. So we'll post something, an important article, and, and it's well-researched and it's well-written on a major topic that in the past would have gotten thousands and thousands and thousands of reactions, or maybe 10 or 20 or 30,000 reactions, or maybe 100,000 reactions on Facebook if it went viral, or more. And we have plenty of articles like that. And, and we'll post it now and you'll get 38 reactions or 74 reactions. And instead of 741 comments, you'll get six comments. Nancy was telling me the other day, she said, said, I just never see your stuff that you post, just never comes up. And then when I look, there's zero activity. So I'll see that. And then an hour later, I'll say, okay, let's just post something, a scripture verse or something like that, or a question. And I'll, I'll wanna know, I mean, I'll post this with intent as well. Hey, when you hear the name Jesus, what comes to mind? just to to let people glorify the Lord and edify one another. And suddenly hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments coming in and things flowing in or just post descriptions like, okay, that went out. That didn't get restricted. That got the normal reaction. So the issue is we built together playing by certain rules. Now the rules changed. You know, we could get 10,000 new people. I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm just going somewhere with this. It's going to be a faith building point in a moment. All right. But, We could in the past, say at the height of growth, maybe uh, just organically not paid in any way, maybe get 10,000 new followers in a week or two weeks on Facebook. And then they change something in the algorithms and this probably for everybody it got changed and then things just slowed down. And then we could go months without seeing any addition. Whoever is added is equaled by people leaving. What have We built up to a certain place and then the rules changed. The algorithms changed, things changed. And I've talked to insiders who work closely, not within Facebook, but work closely with Facebook every day. So they're not employed by Facebook, but they are some of the major media players on Facebook. And they've told me the challenges that they have. They've told me what they experience, and I've documented. Now, I'm not complaining because God is bigger than Facebook. Compared to God, Facebook is less than a grain of sand on the sea. C- compared to God, Facebook has the, the IQ of a worm minus a million, okay? Com- com- and I- I'm not saying it's to attack Facebook. I'm simply saying let's, let's get things in perspective. Facebook, Google, the so-called masters of the universe, they're here today, they're going to be gone tomorrow. The same with nations of the earth the same with world rulers. The, the book of Isaiah says that, that all the, the animals in Lebanon are not enough for a burnt offering to God. So the, the reality is that God is so much bigger than all this. So we continue to use these platforms as long as we can to get a message out. But my confidence is in God. And, and when I come on the radio every day as your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity, My trust is that God will get this message out as I speak up for you and do my best to get our message out together and do my best to inform and equip you so you can be on the front lines, making a difference. I'm confident that God has his ways of getting his message out over the weekend. I was seeking him earnestly for that very thing. Lord, you've given me words to speak. I'm trusting you to give me a way to get that message out to the maximum number of hearers and viewers and together, friends, we can do that. Okay. Let's look at this news headline. I saw this a few days ago and it got my attention. It was an N O R C poll and it says this virus fears linger for vaccinated older adults. And, and, and then I, I looked at larger data, It says a new survey finds that vaccinated older adults are more worried about COVID-19 than the unvaccinated are. Okay, let's think about that for a moment. You're an older adult. You've been vaccinated. You should feel relatively safe because you believe in the science and therefore you've been vaccinated, right? So you know that you're not bulletproof, but you should feel fairly confident that hey, I'm safe because I've been vaccinated. Even if I get sick, it won't be as bad as it could have been. That's what you understand the science would say. If you haven't been vaccinated, you are either thinking, look, I'll take my chances with COVID. I've got plenty of friends that got sick and recovered. They're fine. I'm healthy overall. Or you might be thinking, I know COVID's a problem, but I don't trust these vaccines. And if I put something in my body that I'm definitely doing something that could be destructive Whereas with COVID, we'll see what happens. I'm trying not to be exposed. I, I imagine that's some of the thinking. Now it could be the unvaccinated are living in denial, and that's why they're not as fearful. And it could be that the vaccinated are living and they're in good touch with reality, which is why they are vaccinated. You could make that argument, but it doesn't make sense that they are more fearful. It doesn't make sense because if you're vaccinated, you should be less fearful. And certainly all the unvaccinated are not anti-science. All the unvaccinated are not like ostriches sticking their heads in the ground, which indicates to me that fear continues to drive much of what's happening. I'm not telling you you should or shouldn't be vaccinated. That's not my point at all. I'm not even arguing about the science being good science or bad science, not discussing that at all right now. Although we're going to play some clips from Project Veritas that are very interesting about natural immunity after getting COVID versus being vaccinated in terms of which is, is, is stronger for your immune system. I just want to point out that when you look at Canada with so many restrictions there, and yet the Trudeau government reelected, you look at California with so many restrictions there, and yet Governor Gavin Newsom sur- uh, survives the, the recall, that indicates to me that in the midst of all this that people are saying hey we need these restrictions we need these lockdowns we need the mask on the kids we need mandatory vaccinations and a lot of what's driving that friends is fear fear is driving it fear paralyzes fear takes away your rational thinking it's
3: fire we want for fire we
2: It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr.
1: Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us today on The Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. Some months back, it was actually last year, so early on in COVID, one of my colleagues himself, a scientist or highly educated in science and an economist, he said that he was driving in his car, so windows up, driving in his car, pulled up next to someone, I guess they were stopping at a light. This person was in their car with windows up, and when the person saw him pull up next to him, they immediately went and, and put on their mask, like, really quick, oh, well, I gotta get this on. He's thinking, what are people thinking? You, you're in your car with the windows up, in your, uh, I'm in my car with the windows up, how, how is it that being next to you in the car with windows up that somehow you might get infected with something. I, I mean, who would think like that? Now, look, I understand the reason for fear that, you know, people who are sick, you know, people who have died. You're, you're, you know, I'm thinking about grads of ours, you know, that are younger people. So in their forties and one was in ICU last year, the other's home now with, on oxygen and with daily medical checkups from, from healthcare workers and things like this. Other friends of ours have died, as far as we know, all directly related to COVID. I understand that on the one hand, but friends, there is no place for irrational fear. Using wisdom is one thing. Acting in a circumspect way is one thing. And my policy is, wherever I am, I follow the rules. So if the hotel, when you're walking in, says you need to have a mask on when you walk in, I put the mask on. If the restaurant says you need to have a mask on until you're seated and having your meal, then I put the mask on. Obviously, at the airport, from the moment you arrive to the moment you, you leave, unless you're eating you know, between bites, then you take the mask off. So you play by the rules. Not a problem. Whether it works or not, whether it's wise or not, don't know. Those are the rules. I'm not bucking that. The question is this this, this fear, that grips, that dominates. Here, let, let me just read a few quotes to you from uh when the world stops again came out last year basically well i i wrote it in an eight-day period i was just writing so much about it talking about it so much on the air i said let me grab some of the stuff put it together write fresh new material including taking you through psalm 91 verse by verse in hebrew to, to to encourage you to take refuge in god with and this is before vaccines were available or anything right but but listen to this Smith Wigglesworth said, fear looks, faith jumps. So I I wrote some things down. Fear paralyzes, faith liberates. Fear brings death. So, So fear paralyzes, faith liberates. Fear brings death, faith brings life. Fear brings torment, faith brings peace. Fear listens to the devil's lies, faith listens to God's truth. While fear is irrational, faith is rational. While fear is natural, faith is supernatural. Fear looks at earthly circumstances and anticipates worst-case scenarios. Faith looks at God's promises and anticipates ultimate victories. Fear is fundamentally a denial of the existence of the God of the Bible. Faith is founded on who he is and what he does. So the, the point is this. Before you go about making COVID related decisions, job related decisions, family related decisions, decisions that impact your kids. Let's say you live in California. Now there's mandatory vaccination for for kids there with K through 12 in schools, whatever the latest policies are. Maybe you're a healthcare worker and you've been told you have to be vaccinated, you lose your job And, and you're trying to navigate this. You're trying to act with wisdom. The first thing I strongly encourage you to do is break that spirit of fear. You say, "Well, how can I tell the difference between spirit of fear and acting with wisdom?" Fear is oppressive. Fear is you're going to get it. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen to your kid. Something's going to ha- hang over you. It's just ready to pounce. That's fear. That's destructive, friends. And it ha- look, we, we all can deal with it one way or another. You know, fear is a young person, you'll never get married. Fear is a woman that you'll never be able to have a child. Fear in ministry, you'll never reach your goals. Fear in business, everything's gonna collapse. Fear about your health, fear about dying young, fear about whatever. And there's specific phobias, right? You know, some people are afraid to go outside. Some people are afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of being closed in. There are all kinds of different fears. And if you've ever had to deal with them, and, and here and there over the years, I've had to deal with a few which struck me as very odd because in my whole walk with God and obedience to him, I'm, I'm fearless. Whatever he tells me to do is just go for it with joy. Others are cowering, I'm running into it. But then there are other fears that got hit and they're irrational. <laughs> in other words, when, when someone's telling you, right, you know, let, let's just say that you're on a plane and you suddenly feel claustrophobic and someone's like, you're fine. You get up You walk around, you're fine. I look at hundreds of people here; they're all fine. It doesn't matter. It's, it's irrational. If, if you have a fear of heights and you're in an elevator, it's like, okay, this elevator has gone up and down um, hundreds of thousands of times. You look out the little window here and it says, there, you're fine. That it doesn't matter because you're gripped at fear. So, so fear is paralyzing destructive and, and a lot of the world is struggling with this. Now they're really hurting. They're really hurting. And, and, and I don't say this to criticize or condemn in any way. I say this to come alongside and help and say, in Jesus, let's deal with these fears. In my book, When the World Stops, I have a chapter on feeding your faith versus feeding your fears. Feeding your faith versus feeding your fears. Be built up in God. Be confident in God. Grow as you know how through the word, through prayer, through facing these fears head on. Sometimes you need, if things are dominating your life, you need counsel and, and help. Sometimes it's deliverance. But here's the thing as you are stronger in faith and these fears are dissipating, then you can think more clearly and then you can make certain decisions. Hey, let's just take a look at, in Australia. Uh, I want to read much of an article too that was posted on national review. Uh, one of my colleagues in Australia posting regularly about what's happening there. And it, it seems almost beyond belief, but here's an article uh, on national review. Uh just came out a couple days ago. When will someone hold human rights hearings on Australia? I mean, things are really extreme. So let me let me read from this article. Uh, last month, Scott Morrison, Australia's Prime Minister, told the United Nations that his nation believes in freedom, respecting the rights and freedoms of the individual and the inherent dignity of all people no matter the circumstances. His critics were stunned at the contrast between his lofty words and life today in much of Australia, which Tony Abbott, a former prime minister from Morrison's own party has called a health dictatorship. The prime minister must live in a parallel universe. Former Australian Senator David Leon Leonhelm Helm uh, tweeted while other, another commentator joked that Morrison should have called on the UN to restore human rights to Australia. Um, Video bloggers quickly put together clips juxtaposing Morrison's speech with scenes of police firing rubber bullets at protesters. These are people protesting the lockdowns. Pepper spraying an elderly lady, arresting people for eating a snack in a park without a mask, and tackling and choking various other people deemed to be in violation of COVID rules. I mean, this is all going on. And If you read the article, there are actual pictures that are being posted. All right, let's, let's keep reading here. Uh, soldiers and police helicopters patrol Sydney's streets and skies to enforce that city's lockdown. There are prohibitions on people traveling to neighboring states, even if it's, to, if it's to visit sick loved ones. Thousands of overseas Australians are unable to come home because of government limits on daily arrivals. Uh, okay, let's just see... Look, there we go. There we go. Just scrolling down my article here. Enforcement of regulations has been highly arbitrary. In Queensland, outdoor mask mandates were imposed because of just two new COVID cases. In Victoria, Premier Dan Andrews has promised to lock out the unvaccinated from the economy. His words, lock out. While New South Wales has made the shot mandatory for public sector workers. But politicians are exempted. Check it out, friends. Check out the accuracy of this article politicians are exempted and bans on Australians traveling in or out of their country are routinely waived for athletes, billionaires, and celebrities. Americans love Australians and they see echoes of their own free and rugged history in Australia's own frontier founding. They take note of swashbuckling Australian nonconformists from Crocodile Nandita, Steve Irwin to Rupert Murdoch, but those images conflict with the jarring reality that part of Australian culture allows closet authoritarians to flourish. The late Clive James, who was one of Australia's best-known public intellectuals, said, quote, The problem with Australians is not that so many of them are descended from convicts, but that so many of them are descended from prison officers. Rather than learn to live with the virus as an endemic disease that will keep circulating and mutating over time, Australians are being put through an endless cycle of lockdowns and a fruitless government attempt to eradicate COVID entirely. Sadly, Australian courts have not proven themselves up to the job of protecting individual rights. And Ramesh Thakur, an emeritus professor at the Australian National University, notes that, quote, courts have refused to provide redress no matter how arbitrary, draconian, unscientific, and ineffective the regulations According to one analysis in the Sydney morning Herald public health measures issued under the enabling emergency powers can only be assessed as a package of measures, not individually. They could go on indefinitely if the health authorities just declare the emergency still exists. And and friends, uh, I've even read that there are estimates that more people have died of suicide than of COVID in Australia. I can't verify that just some things I had read. What is driving a lot of this, friends, is fear. And then God knows how much is just some desire for government to take over. I don't know that, and I'm not making that charge. God knows. But certainly involved in much of this is a spirit of fear. Fear paralyzes here. It is paralyzing parts of a whole country. We'll be back with some shocking clips to listen to and to watch. Stay right here.
2: fire with your host dr. Michael Brown your voice of moral cultural and spiritual revolution
1: here again is dr. Michael Brown Thanks, friends welcome to the line of fire this is Michael Brown here's the number to call eight six six three four truth I'm gonna open the phone lines up any question you have of any kind any subject you want to talk to me about anything you want to challenge me on anywhere where you differ by all means, give us a call, 866-348-7884. I spoke with a doctor the very begin, well, the very end of last year, and he said when it came to COVID vaccines that he had many concerns about those vaccines and thought it was actually better to get COVID and get immune to it. Of course, this is before a lot of the variants came in, etc., but that that would be better and healthier than getting a vaccine. Now that was that was his particular view. And the question is how much does natural immunity help you? Now, Dr. Joel Furman, whose medical guidelines we follow as far as as uh, eating and recommended way of living, uh, Dr. Furman said that if you are eating a totally healthy diet, and trust me, very few of us would qualify as eating a totally healthy diet based on his standards. Trust, trust me on that one, okay? Uh, get his book, The End of Dieting, if you want to get the details. But that's, that's how we, we've sought to, to live and follow those guidelines. But he said if you're at your ideal weight and you are eating a totally healthy uh, regimen lifestyle, following that, that that is a thousand times more effective than any vaccine. So that was his position on that subject. Not saying you should or shouldn't get vaccinated. Simply saying the best thing you could do is eat in a totally healthy way, and be at your ideal weight. And even if you're not at your ideal weight, if you are losing weight regularly, a couple pounds a week at least by eating completely healthily, then then you are also uh, strengthening your body in terms of your immune system. So. Let's take it a step further. What if you actually get COVID? What about the natural immunity and that? What happens with that? So Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, known for their expose videos, exposing Planned Parenthood for selling body parts of aborted babies and things like that. They've been putting out a series of videos speaking with high-level scientists, people involved with Pfizer and other companies involved with vaccines. And I have no question that your average medical professional wants to help people medically. So it's a job for them, but they're also doing something that is important to them that they got into this field, not just for money, but also to help people. My assumption is that your average doctor, your average nurse wants to help people, right? Obviously not everyone, just like, you know, my assumption is your average person in ministry wants to help people in a spiritual sense. My assumption is your average healthcare provider wants to help people in a natural sense. And that's why they do what they do. I would also assume that the higher up you get and the more money there is to be made, the more there can be mix of motivation. Would you agree with that? That's human nature. Look, if you're doing ministry and you're not making a dime, you're having to work extra hours in order to pay for this missions outreach that you're doing to go help certain people. You're not motivated by greed. And, and, and you're getting rejected and hated in the process, you're not motivated by fame. But if your ministry endeavors can bring you lots of money, or if the books you write can bring you lots of money, then there can be that temptation to do things in a certain way to bring in money. It's human nature. You may start a business with the goal of, hey, I I, I want to get so rich that I can give away ninety percent of of my income, live simply give away 90% of my income to help the poor and the needy. The problem is as that money starts coming in, you start to get attracted to the money more and soon enough, your whole lifestyle changes and standards change and everything else changes. So it happens. The love of money is root of all kinds of evil. So it wouldn't surprise me if the higher up you go with these companies, even if genuinely they want to help deal with COVID or eradicate COVID or, or have vaccines that will lessen the effects of covid even if there's a large part of the activity that is praiseworthy you have to wonder is all the information getting out Uh, are you are you getting all of the contrary facts in fact before we play these clips for you check out this headline from from israel this is really really interesting news from israel because the vast majority of the people in israel are vaccinated um and it's it's all Israel news. So Joe Rosenberg's site, it is not Israel bashing. In fact, it's Israel friendly. Uh, silenced, question mark. Israel's health ministry removes comments claiming adverse effects from the COVID vaccine on its social media post. Now, isn't that interesting? They've admitted to removing them. Now they said a lot of it was fake news. Maybe some of it was fake news. The question is, why not? Let facts get out. Let information get out. Let people do the research. Why suppress things? If if you're interested in a certain spiritual subject, and you come to me, and and, and you really want to understand, say, I'm I'm debating between these two positions. I say, well, no, 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 no. You stay away from other, but Don't listen to them. Those stay away from them. Don't just listen to me. It's all dangerous stuff. Okay, maybe I really think it is. But if if I was that person, that seeker, I'd think, well why can't I evaluate both sides? Shouldn't I be able to evaluate both sides? Anyway, let's listen to clip number one. This is again, Project Veritas speaking with a Pfizer, uh, Pfizer worker about natural immunity after getting COVID versus the effectiveness of the vaccine.
4: So your antibodies are probably better at that rate than the vaccination.
1: Nick Carl is an experienced biochemist at Pfizer with a history of working in the pharmaceutical industry. Nick admits to our undercover journalist that those who've had COVID have stronger immunity than those who've received the Pfizer COVID vaccine.
4: When somebody is naturally um, immune, like they got COVID, um, they probably have better, like not better, but more antibodies against the virus because What the vaccine is, is like I said, that protein that's just on the outside. So it's just one antibody against one specific part of the virus. When you actually get the virus, you're going to start producing antibodies against like multiple pieces of virus. And not only just like the outside portion, like the inside portion, of the actual virus. So your antibodies are probably better at that point than the vaccination.
1: But don't take his word for it. Two other Pfizer scientists echo the same sentiment.
3: So I mean, well protected? Yeah. Like as much as the vaccine?
0: Probably more.
4: How so? Like how much more?
0: You're protected most likely for longer since there was a natural
4: response. We're like bred and taught to be like, like vaccine is safer than, than actually getting COVID. You cannot like talk about this like in public. If you have antibodies built up, like you should be able to prove that you have those built up.
1: So these are all Pfizer scientists, all them Pfizer scientists. They're not saying don't get vaccinated. They're not saying their vaccine is a bad product. They're not saying any of that. They're simply saying, What is common sense that the way God set up our physical system, that when you do get the virus and then your body fights it off, then it develops antibodies to prevent you from getting that virus again, and it can do it in a way that's more comprehensive than the vaccine. Now, obviously, there are things you don't want to get. They'll kill you in the process, right? We understand that. And no one is saying to go out and be reckless, not saying that at all. It's it's just you're not hearing this as much as you would expect to hear it, and you have people who've had COVID that still have to get vaccinated, even though these scientists are telling you that your natural immunity would be stronger than the vaccine. All right, one more clip, uh, another scientist at Pfizer talking about the culture of suppression of contrary information there and the question of money.
0: I mean. I still feel like I work for like an evil corporation because it comes down to profits in the end, and I mean, I'm there to help people, not to make
4: yeah. millions and millions of
0: dollars. So I mean, that, that's the morals dilemma.
4: Billions and billions?
0: I'm trying to be nice. No, <laughs> I hear you. I, I hear you. I, I
4: do. Mean, I mean, I'll, I'll still give you a hard time about
0: it. Basically, our organization is run on COVID money now. How so? Like it netted like over fifteen billion last year. There's ears and eyes everywhere. What do you mean? Have eyes like in the building. Uh-huh. So it's kind of just like you don't talk about anything that can possibly implicate you or like big pharma. Um, like even if you shut the door to the office it's kinda of like Who's
4: listening?
1: Yeah. So, again, this is an individual. And here we have his name you know, going on, on record there in terms of what he's saying. Senior associate scientist at, at Pfizer saying that you're, you can't say things contrary. Now, look, there may be a million explanations for things. There, there may be all kinds of reasons why you can't speak about this or that. Or I don't know. And this is his opinion. I understand that. It does confirm the idea though that contrary information is being suppressed. That's what concerns me. You say, but there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Well, well since when were conspiracy theories banned so that you, you can't post them? I mean, you could publish a book with conspiracy theories in the past and you put that out. You could make videos and distribute them. You could, get material out. Now we have the internet to get material out. How do you know that all the data you're getting, and I've talked to Nancy about this. How do you know it's accurate? Nancy is one of those people that digs and digs and digs. I don't know anybody that when they get focused, digs in a focused way more than my wife, Nancy. I don't know anybody. Seriously. I, I mean, it could be the smallest thing, but she's curious about it. She's doing something in the garden. You're curious about that. or And, and, I'm talking about it can be hundreds of articles, videos, read, researched to get all sides to make sure that she's doing things in an informed way. And then when it comes to COVID, she goes, how can you tell? In other words, there is so much contrary information. And, And the problem is the concern that things are being suppressed. So isn't this the way to do things? Bring the truth to the light, bring everything to the light and let the light reveal what's true and what's not. Rather than suppress things, bring it to the light, let us do the research, let us, let us think for ourselves, let us listen to professionals on different sides and then come to informed conclusions. But my appeal again, let's get the information out and let's break the spirit of fear that so dominates our thinking. We come back. Oh, talk about someone wants to change God's pronouns.
2: It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
1: Thanks for joining us on the line of fire, 866-34-TRUTH. I will get to some calls in a moment. Uh, Two things first. You know, if you've listened for any length of time, that God helped me radically transform my lifestyle beginning in August of 2014 went from 275 pounds to 180 pounds, but everything turned upside down just by getting rid of all the unhealthy foods I'd eaten and eating healthy foods day and night, and it's it's transformed my life. Of course, continue to exercise, but it's transformed my life. Now, my life's in God's hands. I, I seek to use wisdom in everything that I do as well. Don't seek to abuse things. And in addition to that, God has my future in his hands. So I'm not boasting about tomorrow. I'm simply saying that, Doing this has been life transforming. And then I take supplements. For example, I, I take immune wellness supplements from Dr. Mark Stengler. I take uh, joint plus supplements because I started to get arthritis in, in my hands and this completely arrested the arthritis. It stopped once I started taking those supplements. So uh, we have partnered together with Dr. Stengler. He is considered the nation's leading naturopathic doctor, uh, author of probably close to 40 books now. And loves the Lord. That's just a man that loves God, does outreach on a regular basis, which is one of the cutest things. He's, he's a brilliant guy. <laughs> He'll be talking to someone and just, you know, just like simple everyday guy, and just they have no answers because he's got he's got the truth on his side. But uh, we have partnered together with Dr. Stengler. So I want to encourage you to go to vitaminMission.com. VitaminMission.com, whether you're looking for supplements to help you sleep or help with digestive system, or other issues, or energy, or immunity, or just general multivitamins, uh, go to the website. You'll find out about a special code that you can use that will get you a discount there on everything. So Finest Health Supplements I know of, check them out. You'll get a discount when you go there as well. And with every order, Dr. Stanley makes a donation to our ministry. So everybody benefits. So vitaminmission.com, the place to go. Okay. Uh, Mark Silk in the Washington Post Religion News has proposed that we make a gender change when it comes to God. That rather than wrestling with he or she, many people will just say they, or you just say it generically, they. I'm talking about people in general. So rather than have masculine notions when it comes to God, why not use they about the Lord. And he says why our preferred pronoun for God should be they. Grammatically, if you can say you are, you can say they is. Okay. Let's put aside the issue of saying you are versus they is. Let's put that aside entirely because that's a grammatical issue that is 100% unrelated to the subject of how God revealed himself to us. We understand that God transcends gender. Yes, of course. We also understand we are created in God's image, and that includes male and female. We understand that. We also understand when God revealed himself, he revealed himself using masculine pronouns. So, for example, the divine name normally vocalized Yahweh, which occurs about 6,300 times in the Hebrew Bible, is always vocalized with he. It It is always, excuse me, with, with a pronoun he, if it's going to be used in that way grammatically, it's always male. God has revealed himself to us as the heavenly father. That's important. Ephesians 3 says all fatherhood gets its name from him. In, in other words, there are concepts having to do with the father that God wants us to relate to with him as father. He, is, he has put the spirit of his son into our hearts by which we cry out, Abba. And when he comes into this world, he comes in the person of Jesus. So he comes through a woman, but in the person of Jesus, a man. Again, this is how God revealed himself. Jesus is not a they. The Father is not a they. The Holy Spirit is not a they. God, the Lord, is not a they. So all the pronouns used, all the verbal forms used are going to be masculine in keeping with it. You say, but aren't there times when the Holy Spirit or the word spirit can be feminine? Yeah, the Hebrew word and the Greek word spirit can be feminine or or it can have a neutral form. But the point of the matter there, again, is that there are many aspects of who God is. There are aspects of how he works. There are ways that he relates like a mother to a child. I mean, this is, this is in Scripture, all right? But he says a phrase, Mark Silk says a phrase such as God the Father should be related as a metaphor. And for those concerned about the embedded misogyny of the tradition to say nothing of post-binary folks, a deeply problematic one. No, it's nothing problematic about it. What's problematic is that we've lost sight of, of the meaning of who God is. We've lost sight of the fact that he made us male and female, that these are distinctions that God put biologically in the human race for a purpose. And that he wants us to know him as the father, of, as the source of all things. And that's why he put the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, not Ima. All right, Ima being mother, Abba being father. So it is utterly ludicrous to downgrade this into just grammar. This is how God chose to reveal himself. It's got nothing to do with misogyny. It's nothing to do with male supremacy. It's simply how God revealed himself the fact that God came into our world in the person of his son, Jesus, does not mean that men are superior to women. It is simply a functional thing in the way God set things up and the way he has revealed himself and the way we relate to him. And, and you might as well, instead of talking to your earthly mother and father, just refer to them as they from there on. Or instead of saying have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or wife, just refer to them as, as they. No, no, that destroys the meaning of who they are. So another passing fad, another ridiculous idea, and a few people will get into it, but forget about it. The eternal God has revealed himself, case closed. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the phones and we'll go to Carl in Coeur Idaho. Welcome to the line of fire.
3: Hello, Dr. Brown. You're doing better with Coeur d'Alene.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I figured the second time around, I did it. Yeah.
3: Hey, I have uh, just recently read some uh, writing by Wayne Grudem uh, Uh from his systematic theology treatise on eschatology, and he states that he's an historic premillennialist, not dispensational. At at a time in the past, I read a book by R.C. Sproul, who said he was a preterist, I've heard podcasts from uh, Reformed people that that seem to lean toward a, a kind of a dominion theology. Uh, um, we're going to Christianize the world before the Lord comes back. My church that I've uh, been with for a long time was is affiliated now with a Reformed group, and there's there's never anything on on last times that they that they put out there uh, in their teaching or writing. Is there a majority position that Calvinist and Reformed people hold on eschatology? It's 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 hard for me to discern what where they stand on eschatology. Right, Do you have I, any I, thoughts
1: on that? Uh, I would say that the majority are not premillennial. That would be my thought. Whether they're amillennial or whether they're postmillennial, and included in postmillennial,s or they're preterists, I would assume that they are. More prominently, either millennial or postmillennial, and again, under postmillennial, would be included some preterists. But because Calvinism is not an eschatological theme, it is a theological theme. Uh, it, it's not going to necessarily dictate an outcome in terms of eschatology. So the the five points of Calvinism, which were formed in re, in response to Arminian points. Tulip, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints, none of those tie in with with eschatology. So um, why is it that the majority of Reformed Christians are non-charismatic, whereas Wayne Grudem is charismatic? Why is it that the majority of them don't see Israel today as a fulfillment of prophecy uh, uh, and or are not historical premillennials as Wayne Grudem is a historical premillennialist that's, that's difficult to say. When you go to post-millennialism, that was widely believed through the 1800s uh, in America. For example, Jonathan Edwards thought that the Millennial Kingdom could, could be on, on the edge of, of, um, of ascendancy because of the great awakenings that he witnessed in the 1740s. He speculated that, that perhaps this could be the time and that it would begin in, in, in America and, and spread around the world. Uh, later, he ended up revising his views, I believe, to suggesting the year 2000. So it would be 6,000 years of human history and then a 1,000-year rest and, and time of millennial rule. Uh, Charles Finney in the 1830s thought that with the awakenings they were experiencing, that within three years the, the millennium could begin. Um, so Finney was obviously not Calvinist. Jonathan Edwards was. They were both post-millennialists. post took a real hit with World War I, World War II, and has recovered some, uh, preterism is making a comeback. And and to me, there's some real issues with with preterism, and full preterism in many ways must be utterly rejected. But if if you look back to the Puritans in the 1600s, John Owen, the great theologian, and Samuel Rutherford, others, they had a great expectation about the restoration of Israel. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great Calvinist leaders in the 1800s, had a clear expectation about the physical restoration of Israel, said there's nothing in the Bible that's spoken of as plainly as that. Uh, So uh, today, again, it may be the majority are not, premillennial, certainly the majority are not dispensationalist, the majority are also not charismatic, but is there one position that's preeminent right now? I don't know. If it is, I don't know. But anyway, great question, and I appreciate you asking. Hey, friends. Join us tomorrow right here on the line of fire. This same station or this same podcast or this same YouTube channel, however you're taking in the broadcast, share it with friends. Would you do that? We've been a blessing to you. Share it with others.
2: Another program powered by The Truth Network.